Today I want to bend you over my knee and pedal your backside. The name's Bonzu. Pippin Paddleopsicopolis. The third. These are my grandkids. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome, listeners. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the 21st century and the millennial lifestyle. And we're finally talking about anime again. We're talking about Avatar 2. Anim- animation. Animation in general. Okay. Anime all right, and all other right, kinds. All right. We're going to have all right. an argument about cartoons this week. Wow, wow. We haven't even gotten out of the intro and you're already otherizing Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes, I did use that word, otherizing. But anyway, yes, we are talking this week about Avatar The Last Airbender, a consensus great American action cartoon of the mid-2000s. Yeah, why are we talking about this shit? Why are we talking about this? We're talking about Avatar The Last Airbender because it is enjoying, currently, a second life on Netflix. A series landed, I want to say, in the middle of March. And the follow-up series, The Legend of Korra, um, the beginning of August. And it is a consensus great American action cartoon of the mid-2000s. That's why we're talking about it today. Charity. Yeah, and because animation is a core, it's a founding concern of this podcast, which, again, it began as a podcast series about Neon Genesis Evangelion, an anime series. Um, And Micah and I have a lot of thoughts about the differences and similarities and overlap between American animation and Japanese animation. I feel like this will be a contentious episode a little bit. Uh, On that note, we should actually start by sharing our new email address for feedback and complaints. Um, so soundonlypod at gmail.com, by all means, send us whatever you want to send us. Within, within, with, within reason, you know, with, with, within reason. You know, we're allowed to be haters, but, you know, be nice to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't abuse it. Talk to me nice, please. Yeah, and like, be concise, you know. Actually, no, never mind. Like, I got time. So if you want to send a treatise on Avatar. No, you know what? It's fine. We have we have absolutely nothing else to do. Get get as episodic as you like. I can barely file 1,200 word articles to my editor. But if y'all want to wax, if y'all want to write term papers to our email address, by all means, go ahead. Okay. A, a crucial thing about this conversation. We, we really got to do some setup here. Because first of all, I, I'm... A lot of the stuff that Mike and I talk about is stuff that we both sort of are coming to on an even keel. This is a week where the two of us have different reference points. I have not watched any Avatar and in fact have held a long grudge against this show and its offshoots for vague and largely ignorant reasons on my part. 
<laughs> so when, wow, I'm know, glad that you're being this self-aware <laughs> in, in the first leg of this. So, so we can maintain that. I mean, no, I'm, and that's the thing. I'm charitable. I'm fair, right? Like I'm, I'm judicious. Um, so I think it would be helpful, Micah, if, and I'm going to be the audience in in here, right? Like just explain Avatar to me like I'm five. Explain it. Explain just on a literal sort of plot and character level. And then also like, we can talk more about sort of what's appealing about it and what sort of explains its, its critical stature as like how you put it at the top of the episode, which is one of the great canonically great TV animated series of the 21st century. Explain it. All right. So it centers around a 12 year old boy named Aang who crash lands into a dismal present without much of a past to inform how he like singular, like as a person is supposed to inform the future. All he knows is that he needs to suddenly he arrives and he needs to change the world. And it's, I think largely a soap opera with an ensemble cast that, you know, the backstory is like a hundred year war. Uh, think of like France and Germany warring over Alsace-Lorraine, but for several hundreds of years and generations. And instead of, you know, France and Germany, it's Pangea. Like it's a geopolitical conflict. Yes, but really it's just a love story. And also about a group of kids that, have to deal with a lot of heady and emotionally weighty things in route to top like a dictator. Um, so you can see why kids our age might have been into it. Yeah, but you're talking about all this conflict. Like, isn't there some Captain Planet shit? Like, aren't they shooting fire and water and wind and stuff? Explain the elemental stuff. Well, sure. Stuff. I mean, yes, they are. They they are doing that. Yes, I am. I am talking more you know, in the heady space of like, yeah, if I was getting, if I was getting paid to teach a class about it, I'd be talking about how it's a show about generational trauma and how kids in small and big and unseeable ways pay for the sins of their forebears. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like an action, it's an action cartoon that deals with like very serious themes but it's a Y7 cartoon, so it's also accessible. Right. And yet, um, it's an American cartoon. And yet, am I right in understanding that like martial arts is a huge component of like the visual storytelling and sort of the the a lot of the thematic stuff? It's central yeah. to it. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember that there would be interstitials on Nickelodeon where they would have like different uh like elders of disciplines like Tai Chi be explaining how water bending is like that or like how um air bending is like Shaolin martial art. You know what I'm saying? Well, explain what air bending. Explain what air bending is real quick for me. Since that's the thing. <laughs> that's like a title level thing. Yes. Like title okay. So air bending is literally the ability to manipulate air. Um it's one of the more, it's the most evasive of the four styles. Yeah. Like, it, it, like a, I think I remember that a distinctive, like, 
thing about the first two seasons was that Aang accomplishes uh, most of his goals by being clever and running away. Like that he doesn't really get any, any base in his voice until the third season. Okay. But yeah, like air bit like, and then there's also this thing in the legend of Korra where, um, all I remember is that he used to talk like this and he talked about guru Lahima. Like he talked like, he talked a lot like Randy Savage, but the thing is that he had a lot of like, you know, <laughs> poignant anti-establishment things to say um and then there's like an interesting wrinkle in the third season of Korra where he comes back not as an enemy and it like is an important lesson about how there is it's another like thing about how there are no good and bad people just people that do good and bad things and like we're just momentarily unaligned or whatever I don't know exactly what it's trying to say but I much prefer that version of airbending to the one that was in the previous season okay so from that legit fly like he just like the guy i can't which it's it's killing me that i can't remember his name but he can he just flies like he can just fly which why couldn't ang do that why couldn't ang just do that like in the in the you know what never mind i'm getting off track continue no it's just okay elemental magic plus martial arts plus sort of themes that are punching kind of above the show, like what feels like the show's weight, right? I feel like that's the the legacy of Avatar. It has something larger and more important that it wants to be about. Yeah. Right. And I think Avatar is, Avatar has always been interesting to me, a person who refuses to watch Avatar. (laughs) I'm going to get over this one day. I swear to God. It's just that. I mean, what a qualifier though. No, 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 no. Continue. But it's okay. Here's the thing about Avatar is there's something about the art style of Avatar. And I feel like this is, this is again, Avatar is a show that exists at the nexus of American animation and anime influence, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a show that constantly just sort of looking at its art style and looking at clips of its animation makes me think a lot about what feel like fundamental differences between how American TV animation works and how Japanese TV animation works. Mm -hmm. And neither of those things are constant, right? Like it really depends on which decade or which five-year period we're even talking about. But Avatar is this show that on some level feels like it's very unlike a lot of other American, like popular American TV cartoons, right? Because one, just the... The scale of it. The scale like, of it, the action of it, right? It it feels... The quality of it. Yeah. Because American TV animation, to me, this is sort of my hot take, and this is the this is sort of the... How we even started having the conversation that led to us doing this episode, is that I, I associate American TV animation with the sort of... I mean, frankly, with The Simpsons, right? Like anything that's sort of a past a certain age range sort of settles into what feels like the default American mode of being really static, flat, coloring book looking ass character models. And I, I never really liked that. And Avatar is the show that comes along and it is sort of punching up into a higher age range a little bit. And it sort of sticks with people, even people who saw it when they were kids, it sort of sticks with people. You see critics, you know, I definitely see critics now talking about Avatar. I know like, like, I think we both know a lot of critics who sort of would write retrospectives about that show. No, I mean, like, I do take your point about the 
that 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 um very it's spare it's a spare animation style um where quippy dialogue has to do a lot of the work of the entertainment yeah <laughs> i think that like you said well you said everything is the simpsons but i but i but then you were just like i think what you also said offline was that everything is like rick and morty because i mean there's several new um I mean, like, without looking, there are maybe six or seven new adult animation cartoons, like, on Netflix that are in that same animation style with the big bulging eyes and the uwu lips. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you just said style. And I want to, I mean, there are styles. Like, in well, the American it's landscape. It's, it's, it is a kind of anti-style. But it's, a fa- but it's still a family of styles. Like, I even think of, um, if I take something... Like Bojack, Bojack Horseman, right? That's a show that sure. I think has a lot of interesting stylistic choices and character model choices. And even that show, I, I guess I just look at something even as ambitious as Bojack Horseman. And I think mm, this show's sense of how people move or how characters move feels really conservative. Yes, you know what I mean? I, that's, that, yeah, I know what you mean. Like you couldn't get around an anime moving like the, the way the sort of stiff... You know, everybody's arm moves one millimeter at a time, as opposed to in an anime where physicality is a totally different thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that makes something like Avatar feel like it's so directly in conversation with anime, right? Is that that's a show where people move. There's a lot of attention paid to... Uh, I said I was gonna start using this word less, but the fight choreography. Like yeah. it's it's like the like there's a lot of wait. What's wrong with fight choreography? The, what's wrong? With the I don't know. I just I just feel like I say it too much. Anyway, the thing is, what is that, your life like that you say in fight choreography all the time? You just I, walk through meetings talking about fight choreography. Yes, I do. I, that is a thing that I do. I wake up in the morning and I think, how can I interrupt the 11 a.m. all hands? with limb movement conversation, you know, like I need, I need to talk about how I need to talk about kinetics, you know, that's very anime of you. That's why I'm proud to be your co No, but anyway, what I'm saying is that like, there's a lot of attention paid to the way that like limbs move. Yeah. Yes. Lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. I definitely think avatar is a show that has that sense of kinetics and fight choreography, as you put it. It also is a show that I look at, all those character models. And I think they do have that American thing where every, every character design looks like it was, it just looks like it was ripped out of a, a dollar tree coloring book. (laughs) There's something to it. And and it's, it's, I'm getting jokes off obviously, but I'm really, I think one of the most fascinating things about avatar, about a lot of animation, a lot of Western animation of the past decade is that it feels like more than ever, a lot of these shows and a lot of these movies feel like they're actually sort of explicitly in conversation with anime. And that's, that's always been a thing with animation, right? Like anime itself is in large part a response to the earliest Disney cartoons, but it feels Mm -hmm. like depending on the decade that you're talking about, for the most part, anime does a lot more to explicitly respond to American animation than American animation does to respond to anime except in the past i'd say like 15 years basically since since avatar so when you're talking about like i i want you to like kind of dig into that a little bit more like when you're saying that american animation like even the production of american animation tends to hew towards this more conservative 
style of movement, like of its character models, as opposed to anime. Like, can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah. I think up front, animation is hard, right? Like, it's just... Can you imagine drawing yes. the amount of shit you have to draw? To Yes, to... that is a good nodal point of critique. Right. And Anim- like, like animation is like hand-drawn animation is a bitch. Yes. Yeah. And people working with, with really, really hard turnaround times, small budgets. It's not, it's not easy to do this. So like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, if you watch anime or you watch animation, you know, hand-drawn animation for long enough, you, you, you get the idea of, Oh, animators have to take certain kinds of shortcuts or certain styles of animation are in part developed to sort of maximize the efficiency of the animators and to sort of get the most out of the amount of stuff you can produce every week, you know, or, you know, whatever yeah. your schedule I mean, is. Like it's, it's like, uh, say the first episode of keep your hands off Isaac. Yeah. That show that we were gushing about where, uh, the, 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 the little main character, the, the, the little, the girl who's talking over the movie in the theater to her friend is explaining how animators will use like a small amount of physicality to inform the physics of the world so that they can use like, because really those kinetic parts of the animation are like incredibly expensive. So you don't really want to have to use them that often. Right. And it feels like the actual divergence between, I won't say totally, but divergence between a lot of popular Japanese animation, especially stuff that catches on in the West versus Mm -hmm. Western animation is that on the anime side, it's sort of like you're watching animators lean into that challenge of, oh, how do we how do we animate these really elaborate, expensive movements, but not kill ourselves in the process? And on the American side, it just seems like, what if we just don't do that? <laughs> what if instead everyone, <laughs> what if everyone just moves like cardboard? Right. I, I, so what I'm hearing is that you, 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 you take issue with like the rude economy of like American animation. Yeah. And I think even then you, you could break it down further and say, I actually think this is not so true about, you know, I think that even if you just look at something like SpongeBob, like if you take the cartoons that are actually for kids, kids in American animation, I actually think that's where you get closer to sort of wacky, imaginative physics and movement. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. where you get physicality that feels more ambitious and feels mm-hmm. less realistic in a good way. And it's only really when animated stuff in the West is trying to quote unquote age up that everybody starts walking like Homer Simpson. And that's sort of the best you usually get. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. that's really what I'm getting at. And I think that's sort of the thing that makes Avatar feel exceptional right is that it's the it's a kind of show that appeals to an older i don't want to say older audience this is obviously again it's like teens or whatever watching watching avatar but it's sort of it punches up in age while still maintaining i think a lot of that that athleticism that usually gets lost when when american animation tries to age up into a more mature audience um but yeah, otherwise, American animation sucks. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. 
Wow. And that's not to say that American cartoons suck, but it's just that a lot of the conventions of movement bug me. All right. All right. So you're saying that spiritually, like American animation sucks, but you're not specifically bashing Samurai Jack because, you know, then I might have to come through this. Well, there are all sorts of exceptions, though. There are like Steven Universe. There are a lot of exceptions. Yeah. But, but the I best exceptions are all point. because they're responding to anime. That's the phenomenon. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're talking about this episode. There's water trapped inside these. I don't know. Suit yourself. It's very thirst quenching, though. Drink cactus juice. It'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. Okay, I think you've had enough. Who lit Toph on fire? Can I get some of that cactus? I don't think that's a good idea. Come on, we need to find Aang. But yeah, you see the idea. Like, that's the idea to me, is that, like, the stuff that actually does feel impressive is the stuff that is clearly trying to be like it's trying to be like oh we actually did learn something from anime yeah yeah well i mean how do you think that something like that happens like how does like how does avatar the last airbender like logistically come into being like something that is that does take something from anime and then like try to capture a wider American audience. Do you tell me, I bet you read some oral histories. Of well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is that like, I was trying to pull out of you yeah, because okay. you are the person that, you know, is more well-versed in, in it, mm -hmm. but the, but the, the, the collapse of the anime industry in the, in the mid 2000s or the early to mid 2000s. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, okay, a lot of stuff happens in the 2000s. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the 2000s in this episode. There's a lot of stuff that happens. There's the sort of industry collapse of anime in Japan, which sort of creates like a really oppressive period, frankly, in anime where everything, because you know, like action animation is super expensive. And so the cheapest thing to make in anime is like, slice of life shows and moe crap you know what i mean it just felt like the early 2000s there was a lot of action stuff with really 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 souped up action sequences and stuff like that stuff like trigon stuff like bebop yeah um uh, like i want to i want to take care though to like to specify that like mo anime is like the kind of anime that you know people like just say cat girls. The, it's, it's just like, it's I mean, yeah, like shit. it's like it's cat girl. Yeah, cute shit. Like, you know, hearts like big puffy cheeks and like very ill-defined facial features and like exclamatory voices, the kind of stuff that people make fun of people for watching anime for. Not the normal stuff that people not the other stuff that people make fun of. Right, right. There's a lot of different yeah. subgenres of There's a lot of different stuff, but like, you know, the stereotypical, the prototypical weirdo anime shit is mo anime but, but it's also like the other thing that's happening in the 2000s right is you have the awkward transition from a lot of hand-drawn styles of anime to digital you have like mm -hmm. weird digipaint and then cg animation like you you basically just have this very awkward transition where 
it's unclear as everybody's transitioning to, oh, we're going to animate stuff digitally. That's going to be easier to sort of churn TV shows out. But like, what is digital animation even supposed to look like? Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I think of I think of the early 2000s, early and mid 2000s as this weird uh bootleg period where all the all the shows that you think back on fondly stuff like trigon right there are a lot of action shows action anime shows from that time where if you go back and watch it now (laughs) you you might you might be like oh this this doesn't some of the design doesn't hold up that well you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. so i think that's i think that's part of it too it's just sort of the the mid-2000s when stuff you know like like what's going on in I'm trying to think. It's like Full Metal Alchemist on the Japanese side and then Avatar on the Western side later on, like around 2006, 2007. And mm. it's sort of that I feel like in retrospect, that period is the high watermark for a while of action animation in both hemispheres. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess yeah. But as as far as the like the 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 early two thousands of all the classics of all the really souped up cartoons that we watched on like Toonami and the like to again when you know you were watching more cartoons on Toonami and the like with Full Metal Alchemist. Those are the shows that like and I and I had rewatched Trigun recently and and Cowboy Bebop and it's like actually a lot of these shows deal with similar characters maybe like not trigun and cowboy bebop specifically more so like trigun and full metal alchemist are closer together literally they are both blonde people with serious uh grievous injuries replaced by mechanics and red coats yeah that deal with this very like cloying abnegation around like the taking of life yeah like, yeah, yeah and it's like a like it's a similar thing. It feels like I guess like if you're talking about the fact that say Neon Genesis Evangelion was a joint effort between like from Jump Street between Gainex, King's Records and what Mattel, whatever the whatever the action figure company was. So you tend to get a lot of shows like that that are more or less the same. Yeah, or that that are <laughs> maybe a way to put it, right? Is that like I'm giving anime a lot of credit in this conversation, yes, and I'm maybe giving, papering over how you you might be papering over how like this is all a business. Yeah, and that there's <laughs> formulaic like shit cynic. on both sides. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's formulaic shit on both sides. Right. But I mean, yes, to a much greater extent on the American side. Right. Um. Well, I don't even know that I agree with that. I, I to a greater it, what it is is that because I mean, anime is made by committee. Like even the whole commercial infrastructure of the anime industry is just very like it's impossible to learn anything about how anime gets made and not come away with the sense of like, oh no, this is just as sort of even as wacky as it might seem in comparison to a lot of american cartoons you might think of off the top of your head like it's made by it's literally made by a committee yeah i mean like it's also in the it's like although it is animation it's also making tv right like the same lessons in 
uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood are there for like Game of Thrones seasons one through five, and then like the, an explanation for season eight, honestly. Wait, say that again. I'm trying to process that. So when I'm saying that like making animation is the same thing as just making TV, Full Metal Alchemist, basically because the manga was as popular as it was and because the toy companies and the record company wanted to sell music and toys and merch around it, they started making the anime too soon. So... It began to outpace the manga, thus they have all the different filler episodes. Then Bones comes along and they're like, I want to capture both the Japanese and the American audiences. We're going to Americanize this a little bit and we're going to go closer to the manga. So now you have Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So the the decline in quality from Game of Thrones seasons one through whatever. Right could be explained by the fact that George R. R. Martin never finished the books that would attend seasons, what, six through eight. And then, like, Benioff and Weiss were just like, yo, I'm tired of dealing with this. Right, right. Uh, although I, I would say in the case of Full Metal Alchemist, I... Well, no, I won't go on that tangent. Anyway. Because um, I actually like the original <laughs> better, and I like that it... Okay, it stop it. The, that's the thing. It's like, when, the Brotherhood it's, sucks specifically because it's like... It doesn't suck, but it's just like the story is so bad. Even if the animation is so much better, it's so like, and the pacing—it's like the pacing and the story. Say what is you bad. like. The thing is that I yes, it's the pacing. Bad. The pacing is bad in Brotherhood. Ba- it's, it's awful. It's, I don't agree. I think that it's specifically made for being like to be binged on an airplane, which is what I did. <laughs> Like, you know, which might explain why I cried multiple times. It was the altitude. Okay, so you mentioned Game of Thrones and you used the word seasons. And this is, I think, also a big part of how, like, you might perceive differences in American and Japanese animation, right? Is that, you know, stuff that gets multiple seasons in anime, in in popular, it's established that we're talking about popular series, right? Is generally, like, think of something like Pokemon, right? Like, that's something where that's very much even in the context of cartoons, right? Like that's a kid's show. Pokemon is a kid's yeah. show. And that's a that's a show that exists as one part of an overall brand. You know, you've got the Pokemon games. Pokemon sells toys. That's a kind of thing that gets multiple seasons is Pokemon. But in terms of popular stuff, like the sort of critically acclaimed popular stuff that from the anime side you'd put up against Avatar is stuff that generally gets one season. Right. You can think of exceptions, but it's sort of the norm that, you know, an anime series is an anime season. And that season is maybe like 26 episodes. Right. It's not like the American, you know, whatever the standard season length is in US TV. Well, now standards length, because I mean, like Lost was like a season of Lost was interminable. Like now, like a season, a standard season of television would be 10 or 12 episodes. Right. Yeah. yeah we think we Britain now, these fucking 1.5. <laughs> we think we the BBC. Seasons. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, right? So that's one thing that helps paper over the sort of creativity by committee aspect of a lot of anime is that it, a lot of anime series feel very YOLO, you know? <laughs> like they really, you're taking a premise and you're like, how can we get every idea we have 
about this premise out in a single season because you just assume that you're only ever getting a single season. This is not like American TV where it's sort of, oh man, what if we try to end the season, we can get picked up for season two if we do this cliffhanger. Like this is generally not how a lot of anime is working. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's uh, to go back to Cowboy Bebop and Trigun. They, both of the main characters there, Vash and Spike, had a mission and, you know, like a, a very recent and bloody pass. And they resolved both in 26 or so episodes and it was over. Yeah, and like, it's, like, it's like they had a thing. Over. When that, when try, yeah, that's over, over, it's super over. <laughs> it's super over. Like, it's like they had a thing to do. They came, they did it, it was over. And they didn't like dawdle around about it. Right. To the point that with, you know, anime series, if you want to do something like a spinoff movie, right? You want to do, yeah, you want to do a movie. You want to try again movie, Cowboy Bebop movie. You have to go back in time and set it like between TV episodes. Because by the time yeah. the actual series is over, it's super yeah, exactly. over. It's super, like, yeah. It's, it's like, damn, you ain't going to be a rush hour three. But yeah, the... <laughs> <laughs> it really that is how every yeah, anime I mean, that's how every action anime series that is truly only one season ends with yes, damn you know he yeah, not gonna be a rush damn, hour three you know he ain't gonna be a rush hour three yeah <laughs> and that's like why say series like Megalobox which I was except at, like I was obsessed with earlier on like in quarantine is only 13 episodes it's on Netflix and it's like basically just a Cinderella boxing story like about an underdog that resolves itself in 13 episodes like and like when you get to the end because the, the experience is so much fun and you rip through all 13 episodes yeah you want a second season but also you don't because where is there to go and that's like a typical feeling now like watching cartoons for sure but then okay so earlier you described to get back to Western animation for a second, right? You described mm -hmm. Avatar as a soap opera. So does Avatar have, like, first of all, how many seasons does Avatar have on the books? Three. Three, three. books. Yeah, three right. books. And then, like, because you say soap opera, and that to me makes me think of something more, I mean, it's funny that with three, you know what's a soap opera? The Simpsons is a soap opera. How many seasons of The Simpsons are there? You know what I mean? And it seems like at least Avatar seems closer to the anime model in that it's a series that's been around for more than a decade, and yet there's only three seasons of it, as opposed to 42 seasons right. of it. I mean, well, you know that I mean, like, soap opera in the terms of, like, no, it's I know. Yeah, yeah. a lot of things packed onto a love story. Not yeah, in the yeah. sense of that it's, like, a serialized, like, you know, half-hour comedy. Although it is that, too. Like, it's just the fact that... Yeah, like I was saying before, like it's in the same way that Noragami has comes up with this large, like multi-layered world that has a division in between the living and the dead, but also between the rich and the impoverished in the in the afterlife, uh, based upon who receives how many prayers. But all of that is like a really complicated story to tell the same thing that you normally tell in these kinds of battle anime, these kinds of cartoons, which is like, you know, home is the friends we made along the way or some version of that story. Cause I mean, like a thing that's like, I get to the end of Noragami and the thing that I remark upon the most aside from like some really amazing fight sequences that seem very expensive is like 
man, I really love how much these characters love each other or like, you know, the interpersonal play is like very cute. I will say that I, I think we're kind of making it sound a little bit like, well, okay. I remember sort of maybe earlier when I said, right, like Avatar is sort of punching above its weight. I, I don't want it to seem like the, the contrast for drawing is about one sort of animation tradition being smarter than the other. Cause like what you and me, one thing we've been watching that I hadn't watched, you beat me to this um, mm. is Black Lagoon, which is stupid yes. as shit. Black Lagoon is stupid as shit, and I love it. It is the dumbest thing, and I can't, I cannot explain to you why I watched almost all of it in a single sitting. Can you explain for listeners Black Lagoon from 2006? I think 2006 or 2007, yes. maybe. Yes, 2000, 2006, 2007. I mean, like it came around the exact same time as Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's very different. Explain <laughs> it's Black Lagoon. Extremely different. So. Black Lagoon, uh, I, you know, like I struggle to say that it even centers around uh, this hapless businessman, this hapless Japanese businessman named Rokuro Kojima, who is basically taken for ransom on the high seas by modern day pirates. And this is motley trio of dutch revy and benny benny's like the the blonde computer systems operators person dutch is like ving rames yeah he's like barrett <laughs> wallace slash ving rames right yeah and uh revy is an alcoholic really, of some sort <laughs> yeah like revy is extremely a man's idea of a strong woman yeah. is like the best way that i can put it like you know like a, a real grindhouse character like yeah i curse all the time and i drink as much as i want and i'll shoot anybody in the face and like i never deal with the emotional trauma of my childhood yeah she just like, like basically walks around with like an anti-tank yeah. rifle just because yeah. yeah just because just you know like maybe i can scrape a few bucks off of the guy that sells rolls on the corner but anyway the show doesn't go anyway it's no like it's oh like, this is thematically very rich and it's just the, no, no it, it isn't it's dumb it's really just it's, <laughs> i love it's it just it's just like a fun ensemble cartoon that's like a vague execution of like an easy company soldier of fortune story like it's like a team or mash but it's also a cartoon and in the first, in the second episode, somebody gets hit in the face with a torpedo. So I was just like, yeah, like there's literally a sequence in the second episode Yo, yes, where they jump like a, like a, they, they, it's, an, they oh, it's a ship hull. It's like a sunken ship. And they're like, yeah, they, they, they launch their speedboat off of a sunken ship or it's not even a speedboat. It's like a little sloop and they launch it off of a sunken ship, launch the torpedoes one of which goes through the the windshield of a helicopter and hits their pursuer in the face and explodes. Yes. The next frame is with our main character, Mr. Okajima, who has now earned the nickname Rock, extending his middle finger in the air going, yeah, you got <laughs> fucked. You <laughs> got fucked. Like, and I was just like, all right, I'm definitely going to watch the rest of whatever the fuck this is. But right. Like, it's really, like, it doesn't commit, really, to being a story about, you know, how you're not necessarily a good person just because you save people individually or... 
how like the ineffectualness of white saviors or any of that. It's just like has loud things to say about those things, but not necessarily coherent things. Right. And even even Black Lagoon, which is not smart. And I'm saying that as the highest compliment that it's not smart. Even something like that, it feels like it has a sort of ambition that you can give it credit for. Because even even at that level, there's something about Black Lagoon that just feels like you wouldn't find in American animation. Yeah. The whole reason I'm talking about that whole ineffectual white savior thing is because of, I think I know about when you texted me about, you know, thanking you for putting you on the Black Lagoon. Is, was it episode seven? They were sitting across from each other. And she's just like, you've gone back on your, like, you just stepped on a non-fucking negotiable landmine. Like, you told me how to live my life. And then she sticks a gun in his face. And then he's just kind of like, I can't believe this. I literally cannot believe this. You gave me this whole, like, cock and bull story about how I was supposed to be a free man now that I'm living on the high seas and I'm halfway around the world kissing your ass. I'm not doing it anymore. And I was just like, whoa, where does where did this come from? <laughs> I, I didn't even get to that point. When I, t- I texted you at the torpedo part, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The torpedo part is big fire. Uh, yeah. But what is it about this that feels so weird and out of time, I guess? Like, because it, it, it feels like both. Japanese and American, right? Even though you couldn't necessarily put your finger on what either of those two things means. Right. It's sort of, it has the Cowboy Bebop thing, right? Where the, it's specifically a diverse cast. Rock is mm-hmm. Japanese. The other characters aren't. Revy's Chinese American. Chinese American. Yeah. Right. Barrett Wallace is black. <laughs> is um, black. Yeah. yeah. Black. <laughs> Um, and uh and um benny is you know a white it guy right and that's also a thing that i associate with a lot of that sort of 2000s anime too is that that i think from from cowboy bebop and beyond that sense of um it's got real globalization vibes you know (laughs) um it there's a real sense of I don't know. There's this sense of eclecticness and wanting wanting to be sort of depicting a pluralism that is not is very much not what Japan is like. You know, like there there's like a whole phenomenon of like the black anime character that we could do an episode about. You yes, know what I mean? We like, really could. And the fact that there's oh man. Like I also recently watched Baki, like this, like the like the third season, like mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali Jr. Muhammad Ali and Muhammad Ali Jr. are both in it. And like, <laughs> despite Muhammad Ali Jr. showing up and like, you know, working Baki over with the hands and eventually taking his girl, there's this weird sort of thing with the animation where they draw attention to the fact that the palms of his hands are beige, which is anatomically correct. Yeah. But it feels racist as fuck. <laughs> like, and and the thing is that like it's such a it's such a thing that like they call attention to it. 
but like you would only call attention to it if you've never been around black people. It's like such a distract, it's such a distracting thing. Right. Yeah. But, it's like, yeah. Huh, but we have could, you ever I, noticed? I, see, right there, right there. Like we could really do a whole episode about like the black anime character. But even, you even have to and I don't even bring that up with the sense characters. of like, oh man, it gets so problematic. I just mean that it's, it's no, you really I, do have to settle for characters feeling black. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just notable, right? Cause it's again, Japan is not a very diverse country at all. And yet there's something about, I mean, this is in part just America's dominance and I don't know, world culture and affairs, I guess. Right. But there's a lot of anime that goes out of its way to sort of appropriate a lot of Western conceits and even in cliches. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it feel big. And it sort of obviously accounts for a lot of why anime has become what it is in the West, right? Is that sense of, hey, we're going to try to meet the American viewers and North and Latin American viewers, right? Because mm-hmm. like, you know, I think anime yeah. is even bigger in Latin America than in the US, right? But it's like, we're going to try to meet all of these these audiences on their own terms. We're really going to be super explicit about the ways in which like American shit influences Japanese shit creatively. Yeah. And so it feels like this it feels like this playground where people do a lot of, I don't know, anime ends up feeling like this sort of global playground and you put up with a lot of stuff. You put up with like some weird black archetypes, even in anime, because it at least feels like, Oh wow. At least this is kind of ambitious in a way that on the flip side of it, you wouldn't say for avatar, you wouldn't really see that that much of like an American cartoon trying to do that, trying to engage with, um, not engage with, that sounds so academic. It's just, there's a bigness to that. There's a bigness to when you make your show about a bunch of sea pirates who are this like multiracial stateless cast who are just mashing up a lot of different tropes and a lot of different things about western style and japanese style and that that just feels inherently big to me and i ne- i always struggle to grasp for like analogs on the western animation side you know what i mean mm-hmm. everything on everything in the west i don't want to say everything i sound like such a weed but it's like the best stuff in the west a lot of the time feels so self the most visible stuff the stuff that like yeah. rises above the fold so to speak yeah i know what you're saying it feels so self-contained it feels like it it, it was produced in a vacuum it feels even more produced by commit it feels more algorithmic than like because i mean like it's just that Black Lagoon, <laughs> it's why we're saying that, like, with such, like, that it goes nowhere with such high praise is that it just, like, there's time for a lengthy conversation preceding a shootout in a sunken Nazi submarine for characters to talk about really just their feelings. I have no idea. Like, there's also a weird lengthy gag in, ep- in episode eight where the. I guess you would call her the supervisor. I don't know. The leader of like their troop. Her name is Bella Laika. She's a former like Soviet soldier that, you know, got dishonorably discharged for going nuts in Afghanistan and shooting a bunch of people. Um, She started a paramilitary corporation. She has a bunch of scars on her face. People refer to her like, you know, disparagingly as fry face. 
but she just punks people the entire show, <laughs> like which is great. Um, there's like this lengthy gag in episode eight where during a mission debrief, there's absolutely no reason for her to be doing this. She's sitting at a computer, smoking a cigarette and checking and rechecking porno VHS tapes for continuity errors. Yes. Yeah, like you're not watching that on Nickelodeon. Like, come on. Oh. So the shipment's going to be late, is it? You could have told me that over the phone, but instead you came all the way here. Hey, I hear you. Tell that to Dutch. Makes no difference. I've got to finish 15 of these today, so I won't be getting out anytime soon. No one. Hmm. Uh -huh. Yep, I should have gotten a part-timer to do it. I'm seriously losing my mind. I have a meeting tonight, too. Some more idiots selling drugs without permission again. What a pain in the balls. There's something about whenever these these sort of, oh, man, Avatar is great conversations pop up that make me think, well, you know, I actually never, th I frankly just never, the way these conversations used to go about anime and sort of like anime status in the West and like, oh, man, I wish more people would watch anime is like, you can sort of feel the anime wasn't there because you kept having those thoughts, right? That sense of like, oh, man, I wish more people watch Ava. Oh, man, I wish more people would watch X, Y, and Z. But like, I'd actually say the past few years are the first time I've looked around and been like, no, actually, like, this is kind of it, right? Like, this is actually the level of popularity. Like, I actually don't really want more than this. Like, this is basically yeah. what I wanted all those years. I wanted about as many people I know in real life who are who know some anime shit to be into anime. And this, that, it's yeah. sort of like the mountaintop, right? Like, that's sort of what the Avatar conversations are about to me, even though Avatar's Western is like, there's something about the popularity of that show and the fact that that show engages so explicitly with, or that it feels so not enslaved to American animation traditions that feels reassuring, even though I look at it and go, ah, it's still kind of too American though. Mm. What do you mean specifically that like, what is like, what distinctly makes that makes like a cartoon, like American, so to speak. There's a sort of, um, and I, and I see this even with Avatar, right? Like I make a distinction between if you watch, if you watch some impressive action animation from Avatar, I think it is genuinely impressive. But I think if you look at static frames of Avatar, there is a sort of flatness and roundness to everybody's designs. And the even down to something like the colors, right? Everything feels kind of like, too naturalistic, too beige, too, yeah, too proportionate, too kind of sterilized. And again, these all sound like hating. I'm not, I'm really not trying to hate. It's just like, no, no, that's no, no, no. I, but I mean, like, it's, it's like we were talking, I, I think we might have brought up this. I can't remember if we said it on the podcast last week or if we were talking about it offline, but that's like also something that's sort of distracting about the design of Wakanda Black Panther, right? Like it very much like the design of the, the, of like, you know, the capital city, like very much wants to go to space. Like you can see <laughs> that in the way that the, the, the buildings are designed, the way the shingles are, you know, just so, and all the solar panels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's something about, there's a, there's a smoothness to the edge of it that makes it look like, 
yeah, this was shot on set in Georgia and not like there's the, the, this was, this was done. They did the best they could using the Disney apparatus that was already in place. Yeah. Smoothness to the edges is the right term, by the way. Because yeah, that's what I would say yeah, about yeah. Avatar. It has a smoothness to the edges, whereas I think a lot of comparable anime, stuff that would do the kind of action stuff, even something like Attack on Titan, which I strongly dislike the art style of Attack on Titan. That is like even more than you Avatar something that like every single thing in Attack on Titan is either beige or red. It's probably beige. If it's not beige, it's Because red. war is hell, Charity. That's why. Just okay? a lot of like, beige, this is, dust, I, more beige, more red, again, more dust, Again, I say more that beige. you are a hater. No. A hater. No. I um, think that you need to try again. But but anime has that sort of balance of um, stuff that's comparable in terms of having that much action in it is both more detailed and also more sloppy. Right? It's not that... It's certainly not that oh, it's, it's so much more richly detailed. No, a lot of the times you look at the animation and the sort of errors or the sort of shortcuts taken in anime are a lot more in your face, but they're in your face in a way that you start to, maybe maybe I've just watched it for so long, but anime shortcuts feel like, they're like, damn, that's actually like a clever way to get around the fact that like you were up till 3 a.m. trying to get this episode out on deadline, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's... <laughs> I hate to keep coming back to the analogy of like spending the whole outfit budget on shoes, but you can feel <laughs> when like you can feel when an anime show does that because again, like there are, you know, the giant set piece battles that you typically see in in uh, in movies. I think I I think I wrote about that when I was talking about My Hero Academia, like Sakuga, like with all the Utapon cubes and everything, and everything there's streaks of lightning and stuff is flying everywhere and every the, the character models look as awesome and as athletic as they will look at any point in time anywhere else in the movie but then that also happens in episode 12 and episode 13 on tv now right well i think we are getting to the thing that i that informed my vague resentment of something like avatar for a long time which is that Avatar does these things that you otherwise wouldn't have expected from an American cartoon, right? In terms of its sort of, I don't know, there's something of it that feels like it's punching at the anime level in terms of its physicality, in terms of its quality. Um, which is not, again, I'm not implying that all anime is good or high quality. There's a lot of bad anime. I've watched a lot of it. But it's sort of, the fact that Avatar has the reputation it has, it's kind of like... If you're if your if your home base is anime, right? If you're a Western, if you're a weeb like me, right? And your home base is anime, and you see Avatar, and a lot of people were into anime, love Avatar. So I'm not even trying to like throw the rest of my kind under the bus, right? But if your home base is anime and you see people rally around something like Avatar, it feels like you're watching something get credit for doing shit that like an entire other medium of animation been doing. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing about Avatar. It feels like a Columbus anime in a weird way. <laughs> like we, you know what I mean? Like, that's the weird thing. Oh, my God. You know, I don't even believe in that term. I don't believe in that shit. But I'm just saying it as a sort of shorthand for how I, on an emotional level, react to it. Is a sense of, it's just, you're watching people give credit to a show for doing stuff that like, oh, well, if that's what you were looking for, there's an entire tradition of animation that has several decades worth of this stuff that you could look at. And it's weird to sort of... Not that anyone is explicitly doing this, but I start to feel a kind of way and feel like people are are 
are crediting Avatar with inventing a thing that Avatar very much did not invent and is not even mm. best in its class at, arguably. Hmm. And then I don't know that I've necessarily seen that many people crediting Avatar for inventing stuff. I know, I'm being like, salty. I, know. I feel like I feel like your hangups with Avatar are your hangups with like Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> explain that, please. No, I mean, I know what like, you mean, probably. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, explain. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Travis Scott makes fun music that means nothing. You know, it's it's very much like of its time. And you remember like the high moments of it, right? Like uh, yeah. the moments of community around it necessarily, because everybody was fucking watching Avatar. Like when I was coming up, we all like the next morning we're talking about it in school or whatever. And but also like Avatar is an amalgam of a bunch of other things, like you said, that other shows had been doing for some time, like the same way that Travis Scott didn't sure as hell didn't invent the the weird screwed down horror chord cinematic sound like that he borrowed off of triple six or like the ad the ad libs that he borrowed from people from Atlanta or whatever. But the thing is that what he makes is fun. Yeah. And people like it. Yeah. You ain't got to compare. Listen, you don't have to compare Avatar to Travis Scott. That's me. I didn't That's have rude. to do that, but I was really trying to understand where you were coming from because. I mean, I it, like that might have sounded disparaging, <laughs> but I love Avatar, so it's not like actually yeah, totally. a dig. <laughs> totally. And it's weird because I also feel the sense in which drawing these contrasts between oh, how Americans do animation and how Japanese do animation is like, it's it's frankly a dweeby pastime of anime fans. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where, like, this is the kind of argument you're supposed to have where you're a teen and you don't know better, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Right? That sense in which it has to be a war when realistically, like, I don't know. I think ideally you mature into being a fan of good animation. Well, I I want to go back to to like that that comparison though because like it's I want to specify that like it's not a dig because also Tokyo Ghoul is also Travis Scott in this in this like in this framework. And I mean the thing is that like also Tokyo Ghoul like literalizes that in the course of the show because like he legitimately eats other people and like his trauma manifests as armor and like it's very obviously like an amalgam of a bunch of different show anime over the last decade or so. Right. To your point about Tokyo Ghoul and to our our points about Black Lagoon, right? Like it's not even about being a fan of good animation, frankly. <laughs> Although I think Black Lagoon is actually very well animated, but it's sort of, I don't know. I'm a fan of animation for better and worse, I guess is what it is. And I think the thing that makes it feel like there is always in my mind this tension between my regard for Japanese animation and American animation is that if, if we were talking about music, right? If we were talking about mm -hmm. Travis Scott just in a musical context, we're talking about film or whatever. Like you can, you can have a conversation about music that's about American music and how it relates to other kinds of music. And you can branch mm -hmm. out in a lot of different directions. You could talk about Latin music. You could talk about K-pop. You could talk, you could take any region of the world and you can draw a lot of connections between dots from one point, any given point in the world to, I don't know, like Oakland or New York or Atlanta or Houston or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas with animation, 
animation, certainly popular animation, right, is such that you're really talking about two powerhouses, the United States and Japan. And so mm-hmm. it's the fact that in the in the context of animation, you really are talking about the two elephants in the room. And so I think the fact that it feels like a there are two major players in this conversation is the thing that lends itself to a kind of sibling rivalry type dynamic in my head and in the head of a lot of anime fans, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think the other element of it too, is that, you know, I mean, anime itself, right. Is a response to the earliest Disney stuff. There's something mm-hmm. in anime that feels way more sort of explicitly deferential to its Western influences. And it, it feels like only since avatar, frankly, has the Western side of things start to become a bit more eclectic and a bit more like, Oh, okay. We're going to try to meet Japanese animation on its own terms, you know? And like, that's not just about avatar. That's about like Steven universe and adventure time. Right. It's sort of, you know, whatever, whatever dreams. I I, I feel like that, that is like a kind of true, but also then like, doesn't that make Samurai Jack an outlier? Go on. Well, I mean, just saying that, like, uh, like Samurai Jack is another one of those consensus great American cartoons that, I mean, like, the centerpiece is the action of the show. Of course, the character models are, like, Jindy Tartofsky, um, who also animated Dexter's Lab and Star Wars Clone Wars, also, like, had an animation style that was very concerned with movement, but it was blocky, you know? Like, it, it's... Uh, but still, though, I would say, um, what had a Matt Zoller sites put it right before season five came out? It was literally like you could take any any frame from the show, really, and it's artwork for your house. Yeah, like it's and there are episodes, like whole episodes, where there's no dialogue at all, almost. Like it's very concerned with like all those things. It's just that the animation style itself feels distinctly American. Yeah. And listen, we're all about differences. It's not, it's not to say that like, this isn't an argument about anime supremacy. It's just, it's, I think it's more so about how it feels like it took a long time for the, for like Western animation to start sort of responding to the, the popularity of anime and that it still feels like a kind of asymmetrical dynamic, right? It feels like even a country with no diversity, Japan, right? It feels like it has a more sort of eclectic, energetic response to the stuff that America puts out. Whereas, yeah, the stuff that it still feels kind of surprisingly rare. Oh yeah, it is. It is rare that you get like, on the American side, it it does like feel the, like on the it's, American side, it's it's rare that you get like an it's like an adventure action epic that is like there where there is a lot of thought given to like how this character, yeah, the the physicality, yeah, the physicality of the show. The thing is, our, our sort of touch point, right? The the nineties Nickelodeon supremacy, right? I think that wave of American cartoons, certainly the Nickelodeon style, 
has a lot of again it's like a it's like a character design style that i find just kind of deliberately ugly and i don't again i don't mean that as a diss i think it's kind of a choice it's a choice the ah real monsters character designs are a choice that show is supposed to look kind of like shit right because it's kind of what the characters are it makes sense in context but there's nothing about it that sort of makes you go ooh, that's impressive instead it's supposed to look like shit yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not Sailor Moon, dog. It's ah, real monsters. They're supposed to look <laughs> like shit. Um, and I think visually, I never really liked that style. I don't like the visual. I don't like the character designs on SpongeBob. It's just a lot of that Nickelodeon shit visually strikes me as very distinctly American, very distinctly unappealing. But the energy of it is the thing. It's like the youngest American cartoon stuff, that Nickelodeon stuff. It at least has the kind of physical comedy. It has spastic energy. Yeah. It's the energy is there. I mean, yeah, there's just sort of like random unexplained spikes in emotion and like very long sustained and involved gags that are not explained prior or afterwards right and that's anime that's the thing that stuff is very anime and the only thing that sort of is sucks about it is like that's not animation that's writing you know yeah and that's the thing it's sort of the stuff that's become in the past decade and a half in western animation that's more ambitious that feels like it wants to look more visually appealing I just needed to have that that energy, that old sloppy ah, real monsters or even that SpongeBob energy when it comes to the writing. Because that's the thing about Avatar, right, is that it gets the physicality half of anime, but it still feels very kind of is too respectable. Safe. Yeah, it feels very safe. Yeah. And I need like I don't need everything like Avatar can be Avatar in its own terms. I don't need. I don't need everything to be Black Lagoon, but I would like to see, <laughs> I would like to see a kind of Western response to Black Lagoon. You know, I want America and Japan to keep the rally going of like answering each other's influence by sort of raising the stakes with kind of more ambitious, wackier, outsized, eclectic throwdowns you know what i mean because it feels like a lot of the time it just feels like stuff on the western side of this divide feels very safe it feels very like even even when it's thematically ambitious whether you're talking about avatar or whether you're talking about bojack there's still like there's still a lot of lines that haven't been crossed yet you know yeah well like literally anime produced panty and stocking with garter belt which is a like TVMA parody of like the Powerpuff Girls challenge. <laughs> you feel oh, me? Like, yeah, I, yeah, nah, I do feel you. I do feel you. But you know, it's a Y7 cartoon for children. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, I mean, yeah, it's like, I, like, I'm really gonna go back to your earlier point is that we really just know too much now to be having these conversations about Avatar. Avatar is fixed in time, but yes, I do take your point that I would like to see an American response to some, you know, weirdo, some weirdo shit, man. Just get out there and try some stuff that looks cool. That's important. That's important. And it gets you canceled, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Gets you canceled, maybe. 
Throw yourself on the pyre for anime. Do it. Come on. On that note, <laughs> I think this concludes our very first sound-only anime episode. Oh, shout out to our producer, Erica Cervantes, who puts up with this shit every week. We will be back. Right. We'll be back, but also uh, watch Avatar on Netflix. Watch Black Lagoon on Funimation and Hulu. Also, also, again, the email address is soundonlypod at gmail.com. Email us. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>